Welcome back to DBC Engage, episode number two. Um, the first episode, we kind of walked into an introduction to Christian apologetics. This episode, we're going to walk into our first argument for the existence of God. Um, don't let this argument kind of scare you off. Work through it with me. Think through it. I'm going to give you some resources as we work through it, and uh, hopefully you can uh, be better equipped to uh, give a defense for the existence of God. So this episode, we're going to look at what's called the cosmological argument for God's existence. Now, I know that kind of sounds scary, the cosmological argument for God's existence, but hopefully it will make sense as we work through it, and uh, you can be you know, just feeling confident in uh, talking to your friends and family about the existence of God. The Bible begins with this text, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1 1, 1 also says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1, 1 through 3. So the Bible speaks of a beginning. That there was a beginning to creation, that God created ex nihilo out of nothing. So matter's not eternal, God's eternal, and He created everything out of nothing. And so this is what the first argument looks at. It looks at the beginning of the universe. It's called the cosmological argument. And so there's several different approaches to the cosmological argument. Uh, maybe you've heard some, maybe this is all new to you, but the one I'm going to focus on is what's called the Kalam cosmo cosmological argument. Um, and so like I said, don't let this scare you off. Um, it, it's kind of, it's straightforward. It's um, Three premises. Um, it's a deductive argument. So that if the premises are true, the conclusion follows. And so um, here, I'm going to give you the premises right quick. Premise number one, whatever begins to exist has a cause. Premise number two, the universe began to exist. Premise number three, therefore, the universe has a cause. So whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. And this um, has been made popular by, in our time, it's, it's actually an old argument, but it's been made popular in our time by Christian philosopher William Lane Craig. And he's kind of, he did his PhD dissertation on this, and he's formed it and kind of made it um, uh, applicable for us today that we can kind of use this thing. Um, so Craig says this in his book On Guard. I would encourage you to get that book, On Guard. He walks through several different arguments for um for the for existence of God and the truth of Christianity and stuff in that book. But in On Guard, and that, I'm going to cover that book, I'm going to use that book a lot for this argument. Um, Craig writes this in, in that book, the argument is so marvelously simple that it's easy to memorize and share with another person. It's also a logically airtight argument. If the two premises are true, then the conclusion necessarily follows. So anybody who wants to deny the conclusion must regard either premise number one or premise two as false, right? So if you want to, if you want to knock this argument down, you got to say that either premise number one is false or premise number two is false. If they're not false, then the conclusion follows that therefore the universe has a cause. Um, so let's just briefly walk through the different premises. Let's begin with premise number one: that whatever began to exist has a cause. 
And so you know from everyday common experience that things don't just pop into existence out of nothing. Like this, this laptop that I'm using doesn't just pop into existence without a mind, without people forming this thing and putting it together. This table didn't just pop into existence. So whatever begins to exist has a cause. There's a cause for this iPad. There's a cause for this table. Um, there's a cause for the universe. So uh, James Dew and Paul Gould in, in their book, um, uh, Philosophy, a Christian Introduction, they write this, to argue that anything, Twinkies or computers or universes, can pop into existence out of nothing is absurd. It makes no sense. We just know from experience that things don't just pop into existence out of nothing. Um, Thomas Aquinas uh, referred to this um, as the unmoved mover, or we could say the uncaused cause. So Aquinas can look at the universe even back in his day and see movement in the stars and stuff. And he says, in order for those things to move, there had to be a mover and it can't regress all the way back into the past. So there had to be an unmoved mover to move it. And so now as we continue to, to uh, grow in scientific knowledge, we can trace this back and say there had to be an uncaused cause to this universe because things don't just pop into existence out of nothing. And so you'll get some pushback, you know, expect pushback. Uh, there's a famous um, atheist uh, scientist named uh, Lawrence Krauss. Krauss argues that ultimately these virtual particles can pop into existence out of nothing. But the problem with what Krauss is saying when he says nothing, he's not referring to what uh, philosophers mean by nothing. He means that they can pop into existence in this quantum vacuum that he refers to. And so a quantum vacuum is something. It's not nothing. And so Craig explains this quantum vacuum as a sea of fluctuating energy governed by physical laws and having a physical structure. And he says that to, to tell a layman that on such theories something comes from nothing is a distortion of those theories. So what Krauss means by nothing is actually something. It's a quantum vacuum. When we say as something can't come from nothing, when we mean nothing, we mean no thing. What Aristotle said that Nothing is that what rocks dream about, right? You have a rock that has no conscience that can't dream about anything. So that's what we mean by nothing. So things don't come exi into existence out of nothing. And so you might get some pushback here. Somebody say, okay, that things can't come into existence from nothing, then where did God come from? And so we might sit back for a little bit and think, okay, maybe they got a good point here. But Here's what they're messing up. They're messing up premise number one. Premise number one says that whatever began to exist has a cause. So as Christians, what do we say? That God did not begin to exist. He is eternal. And that which is eternal is uncaused and has no need for a cause. And so whatever began to exist has a cause. So we can just say that, you know, from everyday common experience, that things don't pop into existence out of nothing. Um, think that through. Before we go into the conversation, just think through some different approaches to that. What, what might people say in response to it? And be ready for, for an answer. Um, and I, I don't think you can get a ton of pushback. You might get some pushback on the God thing, but by definition, God is that which is uncaused. He's eternal. He's not uh, coming to existence. So whatever began to exist has a cause. Human life has a cause. Um, cars have a cause. Tables have a cause. All these things, it's just normal everyday experience. So premise number one, Pretty straightforward. Premise number two, the universe began to exist. Okay, so in the past there was, um, scientists believed, you know what, that, that matter is eternal in the past. It's always existed. There's always been a cosmos there. And Craig gives a couple arguments here at this point. 
Um, this, this, he, he argues from a philosophical point of view and a scientific, scientific perspective. So philosophically, he argues that the universe had a beginning. Scientifically, he argues that the universe had a beginning. Um, the philosophical side of it might get a little bit, um, it might hurt your head for a little bit. It hurts mine very bad. Um, and you can use this one if you want to, or you can just kind of stick to the scientific uh, perspective. And you know what? Different people like different uh, areas of thought. So I'm going to give you both of them. Um, so Craig gives, like I said, two arguments, philosophical and scientific. Number one, he argues that um, the, the universe didn't begin, uh, is not eternal because the numbers of infinity just don't really actually exist. And, and so he argues from two different perspectives. He talks about potential infinity and actual infinity. So like potential infinity, he says that like, you can, like, in re, in, you can think that you, you can continue on counting one, two, three, and you know, there can always be a number added to that number. So potentially, there's a potential infinity. Um, it means in theory, there's an infinite amount of numbers. So that's potential um, infinity. Actual infinity uh, means, for example, that if the cosmos has eternally existed in the past, then you would have to go through an infinite number of days to get to this point, which could not happen. And so, this, like I say, this, this hurts my head, but he gives this, this example. He gives, there's a, a German mathematician back in the past named David Hilbert. And so David Hilbert has this idea, this analogy of what's called Hilbert's Hotel. And okay, so in premise two, um, that what we're trying to cover here is the universe began to exist. So let's kind of keep this thing in, in perspective of what's going on here. If the universe began to exist, then it's not infinite. And so here's, here's what Craig's going to argue. There's not an, an infinite in, in reality. There's not an actual infinite. And so he gives the example of, of what's called Hilbert's Hotel. And here's, and, and here's what Hilbert says. That, that think of a hotel with a finite number of rooms, and all those rooms are filled up. And then a new guest comes to check in to the hotel, and the, and the manager there says, hey, we're filled up. There's a finite number of rooms here. They're all filled up. And so, okay, that, that makes sense. Um, but Hilbert says, imagine a hotel with an infinite amount of rooms. And suppose that they're all filled up. So this hotel, there's an infinite amount of number of rooms, they're all filled up. And then a guest comes to check in. And the manager says, no problem, I've got a hotel here with an infinite amount of rooms. I'll just move the person in number room one to room two, and two to three, and three to four, and four to five, and on and on, and on to infinity. And then number one's going to be opened up. And we say, okay, that's kind of weird. That doesn't make sense, but there's an infinite amount of rooms, and okay, that, we can do that, uh, maybe. Then he says, um, now suppose that um, we push this thing just a little bit further, and suppose that um, an infinite amount of people show up to check into the room, to the hotel, and the manager says, okay, no problem. I'll move the person in room one to room two, the person in two to four, the person in three to six, and I'll move this person in twice the room number, right? And so you've got, if any number times two is an even number, then all the odd number of rooms are opened up. So I can check in an infinite amount of people. And so what, what they're doing here is just showing that it just doesn't really make sense in reality. And then Craig says, what, well, what if, if all the odd rooms checked out, then an infinite amount of people check out, there's still an infinite amount of people there. <laughs> so it just, it, it, he's using this thing, and Craig says that Hilbert's Hotel is, is absurd. 
Since nothing hangs on the illustrations involving a hotel, the argument can be generalized to show that the existence of an actual infinite number of things is absurd. And so what he's saying that the, the universe cannot be infinitely old. It had to have a beginning. And this, um, he, he takes this case and he, and, he, and he takes it just a little bit further and kind of takes a different argument to it. And, and he says that um, if, if it's the case, then to say that the universe is eternal would mean that it had to exist for an infinite number of days. And Craig argues that you can't cross infinity. He says that no series that is formed by adding one number after another can actually be infinite. For you cannot pass through an infinite number of elements one at a time. This is easy to see in the case of trying to count to infinity. No matter how high you count, there's always an infinity of numbers left to count. So think about it. If someone says that the universe has existed for an infinite number of days, then to get to that point, you would have to count an infinite number of days. So to get all the way down to zero, day zero, you'd have to first count negative one, and negative two, and negative three, and negative four, back to infinity. And Craig says, before any number could be counted, an infinity of numbers will have to be counted first. You just get driven back and back into the past. Now that kind of stuff makes my head hurt. Um, you, I went through this study with, with a group of friends, um, in one of our small group studies. And some people liked it. Some people actually liked this argument. Most of us didn't like the argument. Um, I think it's cool. I think, it, I think it can be helpful. I think it can be useful. You gotta pick your crowd to use it with. So that's the philosophical argument that Craig says, man, you, you can't even pass infinity. We couldn't get to today if it's infinitely old. Um, Hilbert's Hotel just makes no sense. So that's the philosophical argument. He says there's also a scientific argument that we can use um, for the cosmological argument. I kind of like the scientific argument. Um, it's, I think it's interesting to me. Um, Craig mentions that the, he first argues for the expansion of the universe. Satellite images show us that the universe is expanding. And as it is expanding, it's actually increasing in size. Um, I mean, in, in speed, I'm sorry. As it's expanding, it's increasing in speed as it expands uh, the universe. Um, so if that has been taking place for an infinite amount of years, then how are we still able to observe the universe? Technically, it would be so spread out that we wouldn't even be able to observe anything, and there would just be really nothingness there because for an infinite amount of years it's been spreading. Craig quotes um, three scientists, uh, Arvin uh, Bord, Alan Guth, and Alexander Vlinken, and this shows that any universe that has on average been expanding throughout its history cannot be infinite in the past, but must have a past space-time boundary. So it seems the expansion of the universe had to have a beginning, or if it's been going on forever, we would not be able to observe it right now. So that's the first law, uh, argument he gives scientifically. He also gives an argument what's called the second law of therm thermodynamics. And basically this argument says, for instance, if you have a, a car and you have a gas tank, if you fill the gas tank up in a closed system, that usable energy, if, as you're driving your car, runs out and will end up being gone, right? And so the universe is a closed system that has energy, um, and scientists can see that the usable energy is, being used, is getting used up. And if it's a closed system like a car's gas tank, then that will, over time, be used up in what scientists refer to as the heat death of the universe. If that's been going on for an infinite amount of years, by now, the universe would already run out of its usable energy. And so that's another the argument that, um, 
that, that William Lane Craig likes to use, the scientific argument. I like those arguments. And what's it doing? It's just helping us to show that premise two is true, that the universe had a beginning. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. Premise number two, the universe began to exist. And so some people might argue and say, how do you know the universe began to exist? You can say, hey, let me just give you just a couple uh, ideas. One, if it's always existed, we can't, we can't cross infinity counting. So we'd never really technically arrived here. But if that don't make sense, think about this, that if the universe is expanding like scientists, all believers and non-believers can see through telescopes, then really we wouldn't be able to see anything if it's always been expanding. And two, usable energy by now had already been used up. If you fill up your car, you don't have, you don't have unlimited amount of gas to use. So usable energy would have been used up by now. So there had to been a beginning. So whatever began to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, premise number three, therefore the universe has a cause. And so the cause, what's up with this cause? Well, this cause in order to create it has to be uncaused. This cause in order to create time had to be timeless. In order to create space had to be spaceless. In order to create material had to be immaterial. And it had to be extremely powerful. So it had to be a timeless, spaceless, uncaused first mover who is the God of scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This creator had to be outside the universe and able to create the universe. So we open up our Bibles, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so that's the first argument um, that I, I want to give you. I only scratched the surface of this thing. There's tons of books out there. Um, William Lane Craig has some videos online, some animated videos that's kind of helpful and that's kind of short um, that, that kind of explains this thing better. I'd encourage you to pick up the book On Guard. Um, it gives an introductory look to the cosmological argument and several other arguments. Um, it kind of walks into it. There's several other books. Um, and videos online that can just help you better understand this argument. So whatever began to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. Who's that cause? We argue that it's the God of Scriptures. And so as we work through these different arguments, one argument might not be sufficient for your friends, but as we give the cosmological argument and then the fine-tuning argument and then the moral argument and the argument for the resurrection, we can start building a case to show the unbeliever, you know what, this um, thing called Christianity is actually reasonable. It makes sense. William Lane Craig writes this at the end of that chapter on the cosmological argument. He says that when I finished my doctoral dissertation on the cosmological argument at the University of Birmingham, Professor Hick took um, it privately to one of the physicists on campus to have him check the scientific information. The physicist later reported back to Hick that everything I said was correct. When Professor Hick returned the dissertation to me, he looked at me quizzically and, and said, why don't the theologians know about this? So I think the cosmological argument is a fantastic argument to kind of get the uh, get discussion rolling and uh, help it make sense. I hope you enjoyed it. Go back and listen to this, this episode. Feel free to ask questions. I, I run to a lot of people at church that, that's enjoying the podcast so far and they're asking questions. Feel free to ask questions. Look at videos online. Pick up some material uh, on these different arguments and um, be equipped to give a defense for the hope that lies within you that Peter says. But always do it with love, respect, uh, knowing where there's somebody behind that question. They might seem hostile at first, but there's a soul that's asking questions. And so be loving, uh, be patient, be kind. Bathe your, your evangelism, your apologetics in prayer. Be in the Word, know the Word, uh, so you can share it with others. This is episode two. Episode three is going to come out. I'm going to have some guests on here. 
Uh, three other friends that's walked through a book that helps out um, kind of discipling and apologetics for Generation Z. So that's going to be coming out um, two weeks from this one. So it's going to be coming out every two weeks. So I hope you look forward to tuning in to that. Catch it on your podcast catchers. Uh, catch it on YouTube at Denver Baptist um, YouTube channel. And I uh, hope you t- tune in next time. God bless.